You're listening to the Great Synth 68 Podcast, the dedicated Birmingham City women's audio show bringing you the latest news and interviews from the club. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Great Synth 68 Podcast. It is episode 38. I'm joined by Chris. How are you today, Chris? I'm good, thank you. Craig, yourself? Not too bad, thank you. Kaz can't make it today. She's got some work commitments, but hopefully she'll be back in the near future. We'll get into it then. This past weekend, Birmingham City took on Manchester City in our latest league game. It was a 3-2 defeat to Manchester City. And Mark Skinner spoke to me after the game and hear his opinions on the match. We didn't play our game, so I don't know what we expect. Like I don't, I don't think Man City were particularly better than us. I think the goals were scrappy. Our goal, uh, the header was good, but the first goal was a freak goal. So we took a two-nil lead, but we should took chances in between that. And I think that's the difference. You have to score these chances, and if you don't, you don't, you don't win. So look, I'm balanced, and I'll remain balanced. That the performance wasn't good enough. If the performance isn't good, you don't stand a chance to win the game. We stand less chance to win the game. So I'll make sure that we fire and make sure these performances are better. Before they scored their first goal, it looked like they were getting really frustrated. They got a yellow card early, just before that. And then it all turned on the goal, obviously. And then after that, it just didn't seem like... Before, they were playing a lot of long balls trying to try and get back into the game. But then we started to do that towards the end. We weren't, we, we weren't passing the ball and we weren't keeping the ball enough. And then as a result, they were getting more of the ball and obviously putting us under pressure. I think what fans will see from the side is an emotionless game. So sometimes they'll see it and go, obviously they're in the motion for they want to win and so on. But you have to see the decisions behind why players make what they do. It's not as easy as just telling someone not to do something and they go, oh yeah, I, I realised I wasn't doing that. You have to wrestle the emotion of the game. And what happens is when you kick long balls and have a lot of transition, you can't wrestle control of the game. And I think that's what happened. We lost control of the game, second half. You go 2 0 up, you make sure that you see the game out. And we didn't do that today. So that's something that we need to look at, not the technical, tactical, the psychological part of the game where you stay up and you make sure you win that game. Compared to last season, it seems like we're finding a way to score goals despite Ellen not being in the team. We find something that we didn't have last season just because we couldn't find a way through. But yeah. once again, we're getting goals again, and it, it's good to see even without Ellen in the team, we're scoring goals. Yeah, look, we can, and I think we we relied too much on Ellen when she was here. She's a brilliant player, of course she is, but you're still footballers. Stop! I wouldn't put anybody else above me, no matter how good they are. So. You know, we've got to make sure we find different ways to score. We can score. We've got loads of goals in, in our team and loads of different various ways to score. So it's just them believing that. I know it sounds ridiculous because you can't measure it, but you, you can do that. You can just make sure that you take your chances. We have chances to stay again and we've got to score more than we did and we'll put teams away one day and then, they, and then it'll all be forgotten about. And if you have enjoyed that interview, you can also find an interview which they did for the Bluescast, which you can find on their YouTube channel, The Forward Factor. So look out for that if you want to hear more on what Mark had to say on the game. So in terms of the game, Chris, City going into the game, they had some problems. Obviously, injuries in midweek in the Champions League game, so they could only have three substitutes on the bench, including a goalkeeper. So before the game started, Chris, it was a quite positive for us. Yeah, you know they they played Wednesday night, and like you say, they come into it with with two outfield substitutes available. But but even so, the the starting eleven looked pretty strong still. It was certainly in the back of my mind thinking if we if we can take them deep, then they might not be able to refresh as much as they want to. 
Yeah, and I think we'll get onto it later in the discussion about this game, Chris. But it seemed like we're the ones who tired before them, which was a weird thing given that they've played twice in under seven days. Yeah, a little bit. I think they had the momentum, though, didn't they? You know, the, getting that goal back and momentum is such a big thing in football. And even though we were 2-1 up, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the game generally. But, you know, at that point, they really had nothing to lose and they just kept going and going and... They've got a lot, a lot of resources available to them in their training. That 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 means that they should be, they should be a lot fitter. They should be a lot stronger than most of the teams in this division. But I think we'll be disappointed in with, with the way that the second half, especially, went. Yeah, absolutely. And the first goal, it was a remarkable goal to say the least, Chris. It was everyone in the press box. I don't think was paying attention to what was happening because it was just such a routine back pass that no one really knew. And by the time they realised, it was in the back of the net. For those who haven't seen it, it's apparently gone viral on the BBC website because they kept plugging it on the women's football show earlier. It was Abby McManus playing on the left side of the defence. She plays a long ball from our half into their half. It bounces over the top of Ellie Roebuck, who decided to try and head the ball down as opposed to catching it with her hands. It loops over the top of her and into the net. Such a strange one to see in in the game. Come out of nowhere, start of the game was, was really... Not a lot happening, you know. Not many chances created for either side, and then McManus goes and does that. It was really odd, but it's becoming a bit of a, a habit. I don't know whether they're being taught it, you know, defenders are being taught it or not. But it, it's almost as if every defender I see, apart from Efa, has has not got the ability to turn on the ball, so they pass the way you're facing. And Abby McManus has. has has shown how he, that sort of pass is dangerous, you know. She had acres of time on the ball. You know, she, she could have turned and uh, and played it sideways or, or turned and, and tried to feed somebody in in the forward positions, but she's tried to give it back to the keeper and, and it's, it's took a bounce and, and Ellie Roebuck obviously hasn't expected it to bounce that high. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a strange one. And I, I remember, I think it was the 2-0 win over Manchester City last season. They had a ball that they played back, but the defender played the ball back towards the keeper. And obviously, Ellen White's come in and took it and then scored the goal. So they're not they're not learning from the mistakes in that, in that regard, obviously. It's obviously a different circumstance the way it bounced over the keeper this time. But it's another back pass that's led to a goal. And they're going to need to sort that out into, as we move into the rest of the season. But in terms of the goal itself, obviously, you're taught as a defender not to play the ball directly at the goal because it's always always got the possibility of going in the net, even if the keeper is likely to get it nine times out of ten. So I don't know why she didn't play it at like an angle, like diagonally away from goal, and it wouldn't have, it would have avoided the incident. What do you think, Chris? Like I said, there's a catalogue of, of mistakes, really. You know, as you say, she could have played it further across goal and it wouldn't end up in the back of the net at least. But she had a lot of time on the ball. I don't know where the um, desire to, to play it back to Ellie Roebuck came from. And obviously the execution of it wasn't very good anyway. But listen, she's she's one of the best three centre-halves in, in the country, isn't she, apparently? so That's what they say. We can't criticise her too much. It was a great start for the Birmingham in regards to the scoreline. Then we moved into the second half and it went even better as Megan Sargent got her second goal in two matches with a towering header to make it 2-0. A brilliant corner from the left-hand side by Lucy Staniforth played it in and Megan Sargent gets above everyone else and fires it back across goal and into the net. Chris, at this point in the match, I was absolutely delighted with the way we've took it to them and got the goals but I, I, I couldn't imagine what was going to unfold after this Chris it was obviously a great moment and 
What 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 do you think Megan's doing differently this season that she's getting the goals so early in the season when she only got I think about a couple last season. Yeah, it's a strange one. Obviously, she's she was at right back against Reading, so she's got forward and followed the line of the cross for her goal at Reading. But the, the one on Sunday again, it's it's just not very good defending from City. It, you know, Megan's has been allowed to get far too easy a, a header on it, and and she's. To be fair to Meg, she's placed it absolutely magnificently in the corner. There's no chance for Roebuck with that one. So, you know, and at that point, like you say, I couldn't believe our luck. You know, I could not believe how bad City were playing. We hadn't really done anything spectacular and we we're 2-0 up against them. You know, when we beat them 2-0 last season, we really played well. We worked hard and, and we had to work to beat them 2-0 last season. At this point we're 2-0 up and, and we've we've hardly done anything. As you say at that point you can't you can't quite possibly foresee what was to happen. But. Just after that incident was a booking for Kira Walsh. She took a late challenge on Hayley Ladd. And I think that kind of typified what City's frustrations were at the time. But it, it, as you say, it's weird how things changed soon after that. There was a 19-minute period where City scored all their three goals to turn this game right on its head. Caroline Weir got the first goal. She responded with a deflected effort that I think bounced off Marissa Ewers off the floor and over Berger, who tipped the ball back into the net, but she couldn't quite get it over the bar. It was one of those sorts of deflections where you got not much time to react, and obviously she's done her best, but it's gone in the net. And at this point, it felt like, you know, you mentioned earlier about the fatigue, possibly the tiredness factor, but we just weren't keeping the ball at all. We, were, You know, every, every time we got the ball back, we were giving it away far too cheaply and we were allowing City to, to push onto us, dropping deeper and City were having more of the ball in, inside our half and, and it just felt like something you know, something was gonna come and you know, if you keep giving them chances to shoot then then something like that might happen and and it's unfortunate Anne's anticipated the shot gone down and, and unfortunately it's bobbled off Marissa over over Anne into the net. And then you're two one and you start thinking, you know, City have got their backs up then, they've got something to play for and for a side that was so, so bad for sixty five minutes, you know, they're somehow they've found their way back into the game. Indeed they did, and I think at the time this second goal went in, Chris, I didn't really appreciate the, the skill involved in the lead-up to this, because I think I was just more frustrated that we've just thrown away a two-goal lead. Yeah. In terms of in terms of the play, though, it was Caroline Weir, picked it up just on the edge of the box. She ducked one way, ducked the other, put Aoife Mannion on, the, on her backside, which doesn't happen that often. She beat Keris Harrop and Paige Williams, and then played it across the box to Nikita Paris, who had an easy tap-in. But... Well, quick word on Caroline Weir, Chris. She's obviously got a fortunate goal, but this bit of skill from her was quite quite impressive. I thought she was the standout player on the pitch, to be fair. Her and maybe Chloe Arthur for us. I thought Chloe Arthur was probably our best player, but I thought Caroline Weir was their only way of getting back into it. She got the first goal and then her feet for the second was... It was superb, you know, like you say, looking back on it again. At the time, you were, I was, I was frustrated that... We'd allowed her to get through that easily, but her footwork is brilliant. She didn't panic at that last moment as well. She you know, she could have had a shot, but she's played it across to Paris, who who has got the easiest tap in two two. Then the way we'd played that second half, you know, there was only one winner. Then unfortunately, it it felt like you know City City had been let off. Um, you know, they'd got away with one. They, they hadn't played well at all, and it's two two, and they've got the momentum then. It did indeed. The momentum continued in City's favour. And 
I was taking a look at the clock at this point, and I was thinking uh, we haven't got enough time to hang on. Yeah. This. And we were, we just we just weren't holding the ball, as you said. Mark was trying to respond with changes. He brought on uh, Lucy Quinn for was it Sarah? No, Charlie Wellings came on for Sarah Mailing. Um, yeah, half time. Yeah. yeah. Lucy Quinn came on for Follis. Was it Follis? I think it was. Yeah. And the the changes just didn't seem to have much effect on the game, Chris. And and Lucy, who's just come back from injury, she had to run so much when coming onto the pitch. She was just chasing shadows at, at times, and she wasn't really getting a chance to get on the ball at all. But that that was the problem, you know. You, we, we've made ch- personnel changes, but. The, the system was still the same and, and we were still giving the ball away far too cheaply and it doesn't matter who you bring on the pitch if you keep giving the ball away all that they're going to be able to is to chase shadows like you're saying and, and try and influence a mistake out of Man City but you get you, they get back to 2-2 that I bet they couldn't believe their luck how they'd somehow got back into it and well the, the, the inevitable came shortly after that it did indeed unfortunately for us and Tessa Woolart, I think I pronounced her name right. There's probably fans who will tell me otherwise, but she got on, I think it was around the edge of the area. She hit a left-footed shot towards goal. It deflected off Captain Keris Harrop and beat Berger. It looped over Berger into the net. Usually in games, Chris, you get the odd deflected goal, but two deflected goals to completely change the course of the game. And it just shows it wasn't our day. And obviously we didn't perform enough, but things like this happen and it's just nothing Anne could do about this one. That really, really stung. You know, it, it was so frustrating because we've had such a good start to the season and Man City have had such an average start to the season. You know what City are capable of? They've got players that are capable of, of winning every single game. And this was a chance to go seven points clear of them after four games of the season, you know, which would have been incredible. And unfortunately, we didn't play anywhere near well enough. It's, I think it's, you know, it's probably the worst I've seen a blue side play since Sunderland away. Way back in, was that January, I think it was? Nine months worth of of of, of really progressing and pushing on and, and you think that they've you know, that they're really getting onto something here and then unfortunately they they pick Man City at home to put in a, a performance like that. But you know, even then even then it took two deflected goals to beat us. The positive, to, I guess, to take from this game, even though we haven't got the points, is that we're, we're still scoring goals and we're, we're, we're scoring goals more and more this season. We, I don't think we've had that many nil-nils so far. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not happy with that. Um, I think the positive to take, Chris, is that we're still scoring goals um, as the season progresses now and we seem to be on a bit of a roll in scoring, goal, scoring goals in games this season compared to maybe last season where we might have got uh, found it hard to score. Yeah, you look at you look at the Everton, uh, the Brighton game at home, um, you know, Reading away, you know, those are games that you know we we've always notoriously been uh, solid defensively, um, you know, but maybe last season we'd have drew those games nil nil, and, and and we've won them this season. Um, you know, obviously the first goal is a is a massive stroke of good fortune, but we've scored another from another. A set piece, um, you know, Stan's delivery is, is proving to be excellent, um, you know, and, and Megan's got another goal. So, yeah, that's that is that is the only positive we can take from it, really. That we, you know, we've we've scored two goals against against Man City, um, you know, and even when I think the the positive, you know, it was really disappointing on Sunday night, but the positive now looking back on it, forty eight hours later, is that. You know, however, however people view us, Man City have had to 
had to rely on two deflected goals, you know, and and, and a second half comeback to beat us, not at our best, at our at the worst we've been for nine months. You know, so you think if we'd if we'd have been on that, there's no way they'd have beat us. You know, the way they played, there's no way they'd have beat us if we'd have been anything like, you know, how we were against Everton, um, you know, or, or some games this season towards the back end of last season. Then, then there's no way that they wouldn't have been able to touch us. Um, which is the only, which is again, you know, the the thing you have to take from it. Really, we got a game in two weeks' time, and you have to say, you know. Let's get back to that. Um, we've just played Man City, who have been extremely fortunate to beat us at our worst. So if we can get back to anywhere near our best, then you know we can beat any team in this division. Moving on then, just a brief word on the internationals coming up this week. Lucy Stanley Forth is, of course, being picked for England, so she could be in line to face Brazil and Australia over the next week or so. The Brazil game kicks off at 12.30 on Saturday while the Australia game is on Tuesday at 7pm. Both friendlies will be shown on BT Sport if you can't make the games. Moving on now to the women's football show then, Chris. Uh, one of the three games on show, other than the Blues game, of course, was Liverpool versus Reading. It was a 1-0 win to Reading. It was a Route 1 goal, basically, from Reading that won the game. Ball over the top, I think it was Kirsty Pierce played a ball right over the top to Brooke Chaplin, who finished into the net. Rhiannon Roberts also got sent off in this game for two yellow cards. I thought, Chris, looking back on this, Liverpool started all right, and then obviously Reading got the goal and Liverpool got punished. But in terms of the second uh, challenge, I thought it could have been a straight red. It was quite quite a lunge by uh, Roberts. I think the phrase out of control, you know, she didn't look in complete control of the challenge. And, and as you say, I think, you know, the, there was no doubt about what was going to happen once that, once that challenge was made. It could have been... It could have been a straight red, but obviously having having had the booking, it was it was an easy decision for the ref. I think Liverpool have got you know they need to find a way to to start scoring more goals and creating more chances. They look a little bit toothless at the moment, and when, if you're conceding goals as as basic as Route One as as the one they conceded there, and you're not scoring goals up top as well, then then that's not a good recipe to have. West Ham also took on Yeovil Town this past weekend. There was a nice uh, feature piece on the women's football show about Yeovil this week. I thought uh, Annie Heverson made a good point about clubs like Yeovil being uh, full-time only for the last few months, while teams that they've played, like the likes of Arsenal, have been full-time for almost a decade now. What did you think, Chris? Yeah, it's, uh, that's the gap, isn't it? That's the gap that these teams have, have got to close, you know, and Brighton as well, who, are, who are, have got no points from four games. You know, this is the... This is the level that they're coming into, and it, it's very difficult to to switch, you know, straight from being part time to full time. But Yeovil, who have, who, have, who have struggled financially and and have had to get to full time, and Brighton, who came up last season and have come to full time with the two without points. So, I think I think it goes to show, like the likes of Bristol City, who have obviously become full time for the first time now. They've, yeah. they've responded really well, and we'll come on to them in a bit. But obviously, teams like Bristol have showing them the way of how to succeed in this level now that they're full time. So, but in terms of the game this weekend, it was West Ham who came out two one winners over Yeovil Town. Olivia Ferguson went narrowly close to equalising late on in this one. It was Rosie Kamita who got the winner though for the Hammers. Chris, in another day, perhaps Yeovil would have got a point out of this. They've done quite well against a team like the Hammers, who have obviously started the season really well with uh, Matt Beard as the new manager. 
people might look at West Ham and say that you know they've they're a new team, but they've got a lot of experienced players at this level and a very very experienced manager. Yeah, so I I, I was surprised to see Yeovil get that equaliser, and unfortunately for them, they they couldn't hold on for a point. But you know there was a lot of I think they had to wait a very very long time for their first goal of the season last season, and and they've got. You know they've got a goal against West Ham now, so you know you'd you'd hope that they can that they can build on that and gain confidence from it. But um, you know it's a confidence boosting win for West Ham, obviously as well. Absolutely. Chelsea versus Brighton was the final game of this weekend, and it was a two-nil win for Chelsea, their first win of the season, which is remarkable after the very they've play- scored. They've, they've scored, scored a goal. In the league. <laughs> It was it's remarkable. Four games in and they've only got their first win. But obviously Frank Kirby back in the starting lineup today and obviously she got the winner. Erin Cuthbert doubled the lead shortly after. But Chris, Frank Kirby back in the team. She even when she doesn't score, she seems to be the person who pulls the strings and makes makes chances and she was pivotal in the, the win this weekend. Yeah, she's the focal point for for club and country, I think. You know, she she could be for the next ten, fifteen years. But um yeah, she, she took over a goal really well as well. You know, it was, a, it was a really nice finish, you know, against a Brighton side that, you know, I, I mentioned about Liverpool looking a little bit toothless. Obviously, it's difficult against sides like Chelsea, but Brighton have got to, they've, they've got to start finding a way to, to create chances and, and look a little bit more threatening because they just look a little bit a little bit lifeless at the moment. It'd be interesting to see how these teams get on towards the back end of the season when they have more time playing full time every week and training, obviously. So that they will have that, but you know they'll also have the pressure of you know obviously Yeovil and Brighton are are without points at the moment. Um, I think I'm right in saying so. You know the the pressure will be on them as the season goes on. That you know that Brighton certainly I think have got big ambitions. They don't want this to be a, a one-time foray into the top tier um you know and like you say yo four have had a taste of it last season they want to they want to improve on that absolutely and a quick look at the table then before we move on arsenal remain top of the table with nine points but they didn't play a game this weekend blues are in second with nine points from four matches manchester city closed the gap to one point in third and reading jumped to fourth with their win over liverpool Moving on then to our preview for the Bristol City game, which is in two weeks' time. We are unbeaten away from home so far this season with wins over Sheffield United and Reading. Our last defeat away from home was a 2-1 defeat to Chelsea back in May. And even then, if memory serves, it was a tight one, which we got caught by an injury time winner. I think it was Aaron Cuthbert who scored. Yeah, it was, yeah. Last minute, yeah. Yeah, that one was tough to take, but it goes to show how... Um, strong we finished last season how close we pushed Chelsea in that one the champions of course there's only been two defeats away from home in the whole of 2018 so far the other one you mentioned earlier Chris was obviously the defeat to Sunderland back in January Tanya Oxtoby the Bristol City manager was part of Mark Skinner's backroom staff at Blues last season she comes into Bristol with the club losing their star player in Lauren Hemp to Manchester City but Bristol City have exceeded expectations so far this season. They've taken points off the likes of Chelsea and Manchester City in recent weeks and have also picked up wins against Sheffield United and Brighton. One I think to look out for, Chris, is obviously the, the new striker that signed from Hibernian, 21-year-old Lucy Graham, who's scored five goals in five matches so far this season. She's also got four goals in three matches in the Champions League last year. 
Yeah, she's certainly one who's come in and, and, and really looked like she can score goals at this level. The majority of, of Bristol signings this season were there last season as well. And they've re-signed them on. Carla Humphrey, Sophie Bagley, people like that. So, you know, it's a squad that know each other. It's a squad that have been together for 18 to 24 months now. So maybe that is that is where their, where their success is coming from this season. You know, a, a bit of familiarity players getting used to playing with each other and obviously if you've got a goal scorer up front then that certainly helps yeah absolutely Chris and as you mentioned the, the, that togetherness they've had an extra year together now and obviously last season we pinpointed a lot of mistakes that the defense made over the course of the season things simple errors that led to goals and obviously goals led to defeats for them Sophie Bagley obviously a really key player for them in goal and with the introduction of Gemma Evans from Yeovil Town which when you think of defense you don't think Oh, Yeovil's the first place to go for to get a good defender, but it's proving she she's fitted in really well. And along with the other three defenders who are mainstays last season, they're really forming a great partnership to keep the goals to a real minimum at Bristol. And obviously, that's given them points in games recently. Yeah, I, I think even Yeovil towards the back end of last season were were starting to look at. I think we drew their nil nil, didn't we? Um, you know, a lot of that was was Megan Walsh in goal, but. Um, Evans has come in and and a new new surroundings, you know, new players playing playing alongside and 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 it can just click with teams and it looks like it's clicked with Bristol, you know, as you say on paper it's a tough start to the season, Chelsea and Man City coming up second and third game, but you know that that win over Brighton in the first game must have given them a, a lot of confidence and and they've taken that on to the, to the next two games. I think it was nil nil against Chelsea and. And as as we were two 0 up against Man City, so you know they've had a fantastic start to the season, and they'll be looking to looking to improve on that when when we come in two weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously they've had some tough games recently, but they've got a break now before the game, obviously, so they get fresh legs back in the team. And it's going to be a tough game, Chris. Obviously, Bristol City. We didn't really think they're going to do that well this season, but they're exceeding expectations, as I've said. And we can't expect for an easy easy test when we're going away to Bristol this season. No, and I think it'll be another one, another case of Bristol will sit back and, and, and hope to hit us on the counter-attack and try and be solid against us, and you know which a lot of teams will do this season. And we'll have to be patient and we'll have to work hard. Certainly we'll have to be better than we were against Man City. Yeah, but I'm I'm confident Mark will will iron out the issues that we had against City, um, and we'll we'll come back and uh, and prove why we're why we're joint top. Yeah, absolutely, and obviously we want a different uh, outcome than obviously the game you mentioned, the Yeovil game last season. It's gonna be it could be a similar test. We got to try and move the ball around quicker. We got to try and pick the lock and find a way through without Ellen in the side. And obviously we've got good players who can score goals as they've shown this season, and we need to get that cutting edge against Bristol City to find the winner. In terms of predictions then Chris, I'll start this week and I think it's going to be a 1-0 win to Birmingham City. I think we'll hit back hard you know, we'll want to prove a point that the City game was was, was a poor show. I will go I'll go 3-0 Blues. We'll certainly enjoy that if that turns out to be the case Chris. So that was this week's show. Thanks to Chris for joining me you can follow him at AWCAIB on Twitter you can follow me at Craig Hadley and you can follow Kaz who isn't here today at team underscore Schroeder And that was the Great Sense 68 podcast. To listen to future shows or listen back to our previous ones go to iTunes, Google Podcasts 
Spotify, or any other podcast platform you may use. And search for Great Since 68 and subscribe today. Thanks for listening, and remember, keep right on. Keep right on till the end of the road. Keep right on.